Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Phantoms of the Silver Screen podcast. I am Jumby, and I am joined forever by... Rip. Hello, everyone. So today we are covering another episode of the world's greatest TV show from the years 1990 to the year 1999. Are you afraid of the dark? We are covering season three. Season three, episode two? Yes. Yes, season three, episode two, titled The Tale of Apartment 214. All right. Very vague. (laughs) So, general thoughts of this episode. Cute, but if you really think too hard on it, it there's not a great lesson to be learned from this. Yeah. It's like a mixed bag of wholesome slash like really depressing. It's like wholesome stuff that if I think about it too much, I'm going to be sad. (laughs) (laughs) So before we kick off the episode, um, I don't know if you remember who you said was going to be reading this episode or telling this story rather. Is everyone ready for Rip's 0% <laughs> prediction? This well, has been the most accurate I've ever been. Rip predicted uh, that it's going to be Betty Ann. It's going to be a family moves into a new apartment, apartment 214, mm. and it's haunted. Mm. Jumbie's prediction was it's going to be Kiki. <laughs> It was going to be a mother and daughter moving in to apartment 212, 213, 215, but not 214. 214 was going to be the neighbor apartment, and that one is haunted. And in our own ways, we're both 100% correct. Because if you wait (laughs) to the end of the episode, Rip is 100% correct. A new family moved into apartment 214. That is haunted. That that (laughs) happened. At the beginning of the episode... I was 100% correct. A mother and daughter moved in to apartment nearby 214, which is not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. Come on. We're both right. (laughs) We both did it. I know we both did it. (laughs) Yes, they combined both our stories, and Betty Dan was no no way involved uh, in that. (laughs) Okay, that part I win with Kiki, but not everything else. We we both guessed the correct story. Yes. I think her dad moved back in. And I know what everybody's thinking. Did Rip curse at Jumby for getting that 100% right? Yes, he did. He cussed. <laughs> uh, but yes, it was a Kiki story. And geez, that was, this was a really good one. Really? Strong. Much stronger than I think any of the other ones I've heard from her. I mean, tale of the... The typewriter. <laughs> was that Kiki? Yeah. Oh, that was okay. I'm I'm thinking of the one where it was like the dream one. Yeah, the dream like, machine. That's the typewriter. Dream machine. Yeah. yeah. I, well, no, I'm also thinking the other one where like this guy stole youth or something. He stole the, like the youth. Tale of the old camera. I don't know. I'm making these <laughs> names up, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. It was that one, the camera one. Uh, the tale of dream machine and tale of old man Corcoran. 
Old Man Corcoran was pretty cool. Yeah. Could have been executed better, but the mm-hmm. overall premise of it was pretty cool. Like, if that was a 40-minute episode, that would have been a really good episode. You yeah. know, we talked about it. You can hear it on the episode recap and the season two recap, if you haven't already. But it could this... be recency bias, but, like, I, I do think this is her best one. I, I think so. It feels that way. I don't know. Dream Machine was good, but uh, this is a really good one. A really strong one. So, so yeah. Who you want to kick it off? Yeah. So, last episode, we are introduced to the newest member, Gary's little brother, Tucker. And Tucker's your typical little brother. He's mischievous, sneaky, likes to pull pranks, gets on all the older kids' nerves. Mainly Frank <laughs> is his target. Frank was ready, ready to murder him today. <laughs> um, and we start today. So, yeah, we start today, this or the evening, with Tucker sitting by himself, and he's sitting down in the storyteller's chair. He's snooping right through. off the bat. Mm-hmm. In this, before you go any further, I imagine that they either rode their bikes to a certain point or their moms dropped them off or their mom dropped them off and Tucker just ran away in the woods. And Gary's like, wait for me. And he just ran anyway. <laughs> That's how I imagine he got there first because there's no other explanation. Yeah. <laughs> I, I 100% agree. And he's like touching everything he's not supposed to touch. He's sitting down in Storyteller's chair, which is like probably bad luck. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably playing with matches. He's snooping through the the pouch, the the midnight dust pouch, or the midnight pouch rather, but that carries the midnight dust. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to. And he starts like messing around with it, but then Betty Ann grabs it from him, telling him if he spills it, Gary's gonna beat his ass. And he, he's like, "I want to know what it is." And Gary comes and is like, "Hey, told you not to touch that." bozo and i was offended that he called him a bozo he didn't use zebo what a missed oh, opportunity man. betty ann was right there i know betty ann rolled her eyes at that and i think yeah <laughs> that was the only thing that annoyed her everything else that tucker was doing she just laughed it off not saying zebo was the greatest offense that he's done so far he's given off i don't want to say it but I'm going to say it anyway. He's giving off Eric energy right now. Oh, shit. All right? Yeah, I know. It's a little too soon to say, but I think it's true. Yeah. I know he's giving off Eric energy right now because, like, Frank walks in, and I can't remember word for word what happened, but Tucker makes a joke, and Frank looks at him, and he's like, how would you like to be dead from the neck down, kid? And that was those were his words verbatim, and then... Tucker just like cowers in the corner. Gary nods. Like, yeah. All right. Words are fine. But I'll kick your ass, Frank. That's 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 the vibe I got. <laughs> like, because um, Frank comes in saying he was like, like he was feeling dead. And Tucker's right. like, yeah, dead from the neck up. Calling <laughs> him ugly. And like a horror anthology on Nick way. Mm-hmm. Ugly or dumb because his brain doesn't work. And because he's dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Frank is like, how would you like to be from the dead from the neck down? <laughs> and like, he, 
He backed off. Tucker puts his dukes up. And like, but you could tell he was scared because he like went with the big smile turned into a frown. And then Frank was just like, they're like, whatever. Like, I'm done. <laughs> um, But when Gary came in to scold Tucker, he, uh, he asked a very important question. He asked Betty Ann where Sam, um, the new member. So we got Tucker, and we gotta get a, we have an initiation, but a new initiation for an, the last member, because they don't want to do seven anymore. Apparently, that's too much. No wait, seven? I think it was six before. Wait. Well, and uh, if you count Eric, yeah, it was seven, and then they turn it to six, and they're like, you know what? You're just not gonna six is a good number. Yeah. Unless they have another initiation. So, so next, I feel like next week it's a given. It's gonna be Sam. Yeah. Unless like some episode order things happen. <laughs> Betty Ann says she's coming next week, but tonight is Kiki. So I was like, oh, okay. Bam. Jumpy's correct. It was about time she told the story. Um, Frank being tired or whatever, exhausted, was kind of a kicking off point. Because the reason he is tired, and he tells everybody at the campfire, I'm tired because I was helping a friend move. Mm. And it's the worst. I hate helping people move. And everyone agrees, except for Kiki. Kiki's like, I love moving. I love making helping people move. Which, like, you know, is a brand new sentence. No one's ever said that before. <laughs> but, like, and she, it, has yeah. the, it barely had anything to do with the story. But it like, did. <laughs> but it, it, it got her going. Yeah. So she she launches off uh, using that, you know, as a segue. And she's like, moving in's real fun. And you know what's more fun? (laughs) Keeping promises. She didn't say that, but like, (laughs) I can't remember how she worked it in. So it's just like, moving in's fun. And you know what else is fun? Keeping promises. And if you break them, I'll break your legs. And then she starts her story. (laughs) And her story takes place in... An apartment building. Yeah. Which I think we like called, right? I don't know. Yeah. Where else is it going to be? It's an apartment building. Yeah. Tail um, apartment 214. <laughs> it's a house. Like, <laughs> uh, the apartment building is called 14 Apartments. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, 14. But you remember Tail the 13th floor? And we're like, oh, this is a hotel. And they're like, nope, it's an apartment building. It looked like a hotel. <laughs> At least this one looks like an apartment building. So Kiki's whole soliloquy, or whatever you want to call it, is that, like, yeah, moving oh. things around is never any fun, but moving into a new place is like a mystery. And another sentence no one's ever fucking said. You always wondered who lived there before you did, wondering what people were like and why they left. Everybody's I try not you. to think about it. <laughs> and then, you know, Gary's excited. Oh, this is going to be a good story. She's like, you're damn right it is. Because my story is about moving and about promises. <laughs> it was not far off. It was not far. She just brought that up. Yes, Nobody exactly, prompted it. Yeah, it's exactly what Jumpy said. It's like about moving and promises. And spoiler, it's mostly about promises and not about moving. <laughs> Uh, a promise is a pledge, something to rely on, and you should never break a promise, because if you do, 
it might come back to haunt you. Life lesson, everybody. Mm-hmm. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. Wait, she she can't find oh, the midnight dust. <gasps> where's where's the midnight dust? And they play the music. Also, they played a remix of the, like the opening, not the opening, but like the the song they usually play at the end. They played like a nice, cool remix of it, and I was like digging it. <laughs> I need that as like my alarm in the morning. <laughs> so. She can't find the midnight dust from the midnight pouch. And Tucker is just smiling. And Gary's like, are you fucking kidding me? Give it back. And I vouched for you, damn it. And Tucker hands Kiki the Ziploc bag that contains the dust. And <laughs> Why the fuck? Uh, whatever. And Kiki throws the, the, the midnight dust into the, into the fire. And she... She doesn't get to be cool about it. She pulls it out of this plastic bag <laughs> that Tucker put it in, and now it looks really lame. And she just throws it in, yeah. like she had a a bag of like Nesquik or something. That would be. I feel like that should be somebody's like thing. Like they never get to throw the midnight dust into the fire because some stupid shit always happens. That should be Tucker because he <laughs> does not deserve it. So submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, Kiki calls this story the tale of apartment 214 and they definitely put the title over the campfire on microsoft word <laughs> yes yeah, that shit it was... looked amazing <laughs> all right now that i think about it tucker yeah tucker really didn't get it to throw the midnight dust because yeah. gary did it for him maybe he'll never do it that'd be kind of that'd be i would like that it's like something bad always happens every time they one person tries to like throw the dust in but I digress. We're back. Story place so, takes place in the apartment building Jumby just named. Cortin Apartments. Apartment. Mm-hmm. And we're introduced we... to... Well, Bugsy. All right? We're introduced to Bugsy, <laughs> the dog. All right? I want to talk about Bugsy. All right, let's talk about Bugsy. It's a terrier of some kind. Yes, it is. It's walking through the hallways, super cute, not helping out with the boxes, but that's okay. Yeah. Behind Bugsy is the titular character of this story. And her name is Stacy. Yes. Right? Stacy Cooper. Mm -hmm. Very 90s name. So Stacy Cooper is moving boxes in with her dog Bugsy and her single mom, which I totally called, (laughs) uh, Bonnie. So... Bonnie and Stacy are moving into this apartment. It's the 1990s. So if you had like $1,000, you could buy a house. So they're clearly moving here because times are tough. And it's revealed to us in like, you know, some speech that they're giving with each other that they're going through a bit of a rough patch. Like um, the parents have divorced and she's moving out and they had to find a place quick. So they just moved into this apartment. Mm-hmm. So they're moving in and the mom like, you know, gets exhausted. They're talking, they're chatting about how fun it is to move in. Cause apparently that's really fun to do. Stacy's complaining that the place is too small and body is just like, that's all we can afford. Cause mm-hmm. it's the nineties. 
and all we can afford is an apartment. I hope it doesn't this get worse week, in the I have future. To move. <laughs> Too real. We have to, we have to save for a few months before we could buy the house. Exactly three months, and then we can afford it. Um, so so they they go outside to the car. The car is parked in a no parking spot. Mm-hmm. It says don't park there. <laughs> and they're getting stuff out of the trunk. And then out of nowhere, this crazy landlord whose name escapes me, Mr. Holstrom, I think his name is. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Holstrom. Tybold. His name is Tybald. Tybald, Tybald. Holstrom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so old Tybald, <laughs> that's a ridiculous name. <laughs> old Tybald shows up and he's like, what are you doing? And they drop a jar of pennies, which is like the worst thing they could have been holding in that moment. Yeah. and it shatters on the ground and then bonnie gets mad and bonnie's like you scared me like why did you do that like i'm just trying to move things out of my car man and he's like you cannot park here because he has a really bad russian accent comparable to my bad russian accent <laughs> so it's okay eh, yeah so it's fine because i'm just impersonating his bad russian accent yes so yeah he tells her you got to get out of here or whatever it is. And then she's like, I don't think the manager's going to mind. Okay. I'm just parking here so I can move my stuff upstairs. I'm not going to leave it here all day. I'm just leaving it here for a few seconds while I get the things out the trunk, which seems pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm. And then Tybalt's like, I am manager. <laughs> you die. <laughs> if you don't move and, the car. Yeah. He had a big pause in between those statements. <laughs> So she gets really frustrated because, you know, she's kind of screwed. This guy has a lot of power over them because he's a landlord. He says, move the car and leaves. And then she's obviously very frustrated. She sends her daughter, Stacy, to go get a broom while she thinks about what she's going to do about this mess. So that's what she She goes to get to the apartment to find the broom and dustpan to sweep up the pennies. That fell on the floor. On the concrete. They need those pennies. Mm-hmm. Time's going to help with the down payment. Yeah. Those $100 in pennies yeah. will definitely... You Three know. more of those and they're going to get the down payment paid in full. Yeah. It'd be crazy. That's half of rent right there. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Probably true. Um, <laughs> on her way back to the apartment... She sees that because she lives in 213, but the door of 214 opens slightly. And this is not the first time. Earlier in the episode, it had opened. It opens again. But there's no sound coming from inside. And when she's about to, um, and when she goes inside her apartment, because the broom and dustpan is more important than this weird ass door that keeps opening. The door of two fourteen closes. So, after a long days of moving, going from two fourteen, uh, two thirteen, to the car to grab some stuff to bring back up to two thirteen. Uh, it's night, and Stacy is unwinding by sitting in a chair 
on the patio or balcony rather next to Bugsy her trusted dog and she's reading she's reading I don't know book whatever and he's reading goosebumps yes <laughs> and she hears a she hears some a like a knocking and it's coming from 214 the window mm-hmm. of 214 the and knocking it, does not wake up bonnie who's knocked out on the couch yes we see that 214 it has light coming through it and the blinds are being closed as if somebody was watching but um stacy is just like all right that's that's my cue to get the fuck back inside so she goes in and she puts the blanket over her mom who's sleeping on the couch as jumpy said and she hears a knocking on the door so even though it's the 90s and that was when criminals or criminal activity was there Stacy decides to open the door without looking through the people. Because if she would have... people looked, do this in movies. <laughs> I never do that. Yeah. she If she had looked through the people, she would have noticed that uh, what she saw when she opened the door was that there was no one there. So she wasted all that energy after working very hard moving stuff. And there's no one there. But the door of apartment 214 is open slightly. And we hear humming coming from that door, from that apartment. And the, the lights are on. So Stacy decides, say, clearly this person knocked on my door and I'm going to go check it out. But there's something about it that just doesn't sit right with her because she's slowly walking over there. And now suddenly we see a hand reach for Stacy and taps her. She turns around, freaked out, and it's just Bonnie. And she's like, Mom, you scared me. Uh, and her mom's like, I scared you. I woke up and my daughter's not in the house and the door's open. Okay? You scared me. Okay? What prompted you to leave the apartment after I told you not to? She's like, I thought and she I heard folded something. her arms and started tapping her foot. <laughs> and she's like, I thought I heard something. Oh, it's like, well, I told you I don't want you to be wandering around at nighttime. Get back inside. And she's like, I didn't do anything wrong. And like, they're still like bickering back and forth as they go inside. It like fades out. But we Rip's just energy there was like one hundred percent more parent like than <laughs> than the performance I received because I. I heard her speaking like, oh, I asked you not to do that. Please don't don't go outside, okay? <laughs> and they went back inside. Like, it seemed very tame. I thought she was going to go more at her angry with it. She seems so calm about it. Well, it is a... Uh, they've been moving all day. They've been packing and packing. That's true. <laughs> so they go back inside, but we don't get... The camera doesn't follow them there. The, the, the camera focuses on the door of 214, which suddenly closes. And that's it. We go to the next day. Ooh. We go to the next day, costume change. All right. Stacy's wearing a brand new outfit. It looks a little, 
I want to say like old people clothes. Like it's still 90s, but it doesn't look like something a teen would wear. I'm not a super big expert on what teens would wear at that time. It just <laughs> looks like that to me. So she's coming out with her new outfit. She's going to go to school, I think, maybe, because she has like a book bag on. Mm-hmm. And before she does, she takes a stop at 214 to look at the peephole and maybe knock and figure out, you know, who's in there. She knocks on the door, but nobody opens it. And then she gets startled from somebody from behind. A girl, a redheaded girl around her age, tapped her on the shoulder. And she got startled a little bit. And then she, you know, introduces herself. Hi, I'm Stacy. And this girl's like, hi, I'm Angela. I live in 212 or whatever. And... She's like, you must be new here. You must have moved into 213 because there's not a lot of kids that live around here, actually. And Stacy's like, yeah, actually, there isn't a lot of kids. This is so great. Why don't we become friends? Why don't we become best friends? And Angela's like, yeah, whatever, maybe. Bye. She's like, damn, Angela, why did you even talk to her then? What, what was the point? She was so excited to find another kid to make friends with. Stacey. You offer yourself up and then you roll your eyes like that. Come on. She's like, hey, maybe we should hang out sometime. Not even. She's like, hey, let's hang out sometime. She's like, maybe. Okay, yeah. we'll see. Okay, let's see if you meet the criteria. I was like, all right, dude. She gave me like the 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 same vibe that the redheaded cousin did Ooh. in uh, what was it? The Tale of the Lonely, Lonely Ghost. Ghost. Yeah. That was the same energy. It's just like, maybe if my friends think you're cool, then like we'll let you in. You got to do an initiation. You got to stay in yeah. apartment 214 for the night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little did she know she was going to win that bet. So, um, Angela leaves and Stacy's still happy that mm-hmm. somebody her age lives in the building. So she's cool. Yeah. So that was nice. At least there's like a possible friend coming her way soon stacy leaves presumably to go to school and then i think we just cut from her coming home from another day of school because her outfit completely changes and she's wearing a much more what i think to be 90s teen outfit she's wearing like (laughs) a letterman jacket which i almost thought was like oh did she like meet a boy or something and she like that gave him a jacket but it's just everybody had a letterman jacket apparently yeah that is that is a fact Mm-hmm. everyone like, owned one when you were when you're when you were born in the 90s you were given a letterman jacket for yeah. your teenage years yeah an adult size one yeah. so that you can grow into it because this one's like 20 sizes too big for her <laughs> but that was the style that was the style because everybody was trying to save money they don't buy clothes <laughs> that fit you they buy clothes that you fit into because once they... you hit that point you're not going to grow anymore and I mean, how they know how big you're gonna get? Obviously. They roll the dice. Yeah, <laughs> you were there. Yeah. <laughs> so Who was it? So she's home. She's going home from school, and mm-hmm. her mom is cleaning um a carpet, like like hitting it so the dust comes off and all that stuff on the balcony. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when Stacy goes inside, we see. A Bonnie turn around to go inside the house as well, the apartment, and we just see an old lady looking. And let me tell you, 
jumpy made this correlation, but she is giving off uh it chapter two. Was it chapter two, right? Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh granny vibes, dude. <laughs> I thought she was gonna be like going to get tea and dancing like a mad woman in the background. <laughs> so um Stacy goes inside and um She ends up going over to apartment 214 and she knocks on the door several times. No response. She begins to walk off, but the door opens. She turns around, but nothing. No, no, like, come inside. Nobody there to greet her. So she's like, okay. She, <laughs> she goes inside. She, she, walks slowly and opens the door she opens the door and we see a fully furnished apartment built for this old woman and she comes in with some tea <laughs> and she's very it's cheerful and she's just like hey it's about time you came visit me like, okay this is so frightening to me. Yes. This is beginning part because I, I I was like fooling myself. I'm like, this is Pennywise the clown. Like I don't <laughs> care. Like this is it. Like, like, no. You can't just, you know what I mean? Like to just beckon Stacy like that. That was so weird. Right? Something's up. What does he thrusts his fists against the post and still insists? sees the g g g ghost like that, that's what i was thinking of the the rhyme from it yeah <laughs> yeah it was making me scared yeah she was giving off that vibe and her apartment mm -hmm. like had that same vibe too but she introduces herself she's madeline kogel and she is the artist on all the paintings on the wall that stacy comments that are beautiful um, and she notices a painting of a family and she asks her is that your family and we get what is one of the saddest stories ever <laughs> and she's like yeah it's a painting of her nephew Frank and his family she never had any of her own children Frank promised her she could always live with them but as time grew on he got tired of taking care of a very old woman in the words of Madeline and Asked her to leave. Breaking his promise. Yeah, Stacy is shocked that he broke his promise to her. In yep. the meta world here. <laughs> Kiki knew who she's telling this story to. And she named that character Frank. <laughs> I gotta think that this is some shade that Kiki is throwing at Frank. Not the first time. Dude. Like, remember when there, there's... David threw out that kid Gary? <laughs> yeah. Like trying to send him, and then the main. Where's David now? Yeah, you don't mess with Gary. Oh, he knew, he knew, and he still and he said that story for his birthday, for Gary's birthday. <laughs> so, Stacy's like, I can't believe you broke her promise, and Madeline was like, Yeah, and ever since then, I had to move into this apartment, away from all my friends and family. 
And Stacy's like, yeah, you know what? I I, I feel the same way because I had to move away from all our friends and family. Um, and then Madeline's like, hey, let's, I have an idea. Let's visit each other every now and then. Um, therefore, they won't have to miss their old friends and families as much. And Stacy's like, deal. Nothing can go wrong here. So we get the montage and a narration from Kiki saying that Stacy and Madeline started spending a lot of time together and they were both very happy. Uh, we we get uh, like this I get I got whiplash like I was <laughs> I was fully expecting her to be like this evil incarnate clown or something that's horrible <laughs> and I get this really nice wholesome scene where it's just they're spending time together not because she feels some obligation but because she wants to and they're feeling good about it they're friends she's helping around the house she's bringing groceries in but then she's also drinking tea and hearing nice stories from Madeline and they're just enjoying each other's company and like weeks go by because I see a bunch of different outfits outfits and it, this is not what I expected yeah. Stacy got groceries from Madeline which raises a good couple questions but we'll get there yeah later on <laughs> but she was doing I see some for perishables her. in that bag <laughs> so um so yeah Madeline wasn't lonely anymore Stacy had a new friend um and one day, as Madeline and Stacy were, were um, were, as Madeline was walking Stacy to the door so Stacy can go home, um, Madeline says, "Hey, tomorrow's a very special day for me, and I mm-hmm. prefer if you would have joined me on that day. I I don't want to be alone. It's a special day." And Stacy said, "Yes, I would do that." Madeline's like promise Stacy's like yeah I promise and everybody Madeline and Stacy turn towards the camera and wink <laughs> <laughs> and Madeline, I wonder if she's gonna keep that promise yeah <laughs> I mean this is a story about moving so there's mm-hmm. you know there's no way that's gonna happen but they they didn't I didn't say anything I was just watching this scene but the moment that happened I was like okay Angela is going to do something to make her break that <laughs> promise. And she's going to go along with it. And like, if I, if I, if we paused it and you're like, jumpy predicted, I, I feel like I could have pulled the concert. <laughs> this is just exactly what would happen. This is beat for beat. What I was going to be expecting from the rest of this point. But before that I was blindsided with the wholesomeness. So, uh, and to like, really like put the, I don't know, put the pepper on this, uh, Madeline's like, Oh, if you come, I have a surprise for you, but I can't tell you unless you come over. She's like, it's a it's a deal. Promise. I'm to think of it. I don't know what that surprise was going to be. So the next day, Stacy is all set to go visit Madeline. All she, she just went to go check the mail. And that would be the beginning of her undoing because she crosses path with Angela. And Angela is like, hey, remember said I said maybe we'll hang out one day? Well, I got concert tickets to see the Battle of the Bands. What is Battle of the Bands, you may ask? Battle of the Bands is a series of bands performing in a competition. And the best bands 
gets first place and probably a record deal or some shit where they get taken advantage of, forced to make thousands of albums and produce <laughs> less good quality material after it's every great. album. Yeah. But they get to be rock stars and not go into debt. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Battle of the Bands. Um He resists. She's like, I don't I said I'd be somewhere. I can't be there. And in a complete one eighty in character. <laughs> Angel's like, Come on, Stacy, I really want to hang out with you. Please come <laughs> with me. It's a free tick. Like she's been really enticing. This is not the same roll my eyes, maybe I'll see you later, girl. Yeah. I feel like she didn't have any friends coming and she only had one extra ticket because <laughs> she bought two and no one wanted to go. Yeah, and and Angela was just like, Look, my mom's coming around the corner right now. She's gonna pick us up. And Stacy's like, uh, I'm gonna go run and tell my mom. Ask her if it's okay. Not even ask her if it's okay. She's like, I'm gonna go and tell my mom. <laughs> like, okay. So she gets in the car. Thought she could have stopped by two fourteen and just tell Madeline what happened in that moment. Just be like, Hey Madeline. The mom, the mom was coming right around. They didn't have time. Angela wasn't gonna wait. You think Angela would have waited? Yeah, but she'd say she wouldn't. <laughs> uh, so, Stacy jumps in the car. They drive off, and the camera just pans as they drive away, but stops at a certain apartment where a certain broken-hearted old woman watches as her only friend drives away with a new friend. That made me sad. Yeah. I was just like, damn. So Is Battle of the Bands that good? Like apparently it was because Stacy and Angela come back and they're mm-hmm. happy. Stacy's like, Thanks again, Angela. And just like, Yeah, whatever. And <laughs> goes into her apartment. I'm glad you enjoyed it, acquaintance. <laughs> as Stacy walks back to apartment two two thirteen, she hears crying. And the crying is coming from Rip's eyes because he can't. I can't believe she did that to Madeline. Mm. But Jumby made a good point. Jumby said, "Hey, they didn't specify a time. She went to the Battle of the Bands. She's coming back. They could hang out for the rest of the night." And Madeline's clearly still awake, so here she is. Yeah, she's crying, <laughs> crying in apartment two fourteen. Stacy enters and she's going to apologize. But she enters to a dark home. And of course it's raining. It's thundering. And she just sees a silhouette of Madeline crying. And Stacy walks over. A lightning flashes. And we see Madeline. And she screams with the roar of the thunder to Stacy. Why did you break your promise? And Stacy freaks out. It's like, whoa. She's never yelled at me before. I'm sorry. And she turns on the light in the apartment to like shed some light on the situation, talk things out with Madeline, and be like, look, this is what happened. But it doesn't mean we can't hang out. Uh, but that's not what happened. When the lights go on, we are introduced to a empty apartment. All the furniture is gone. The paintings. All the are paintings. Gone. The, I guess like, 
what do you want to call it when like a painting's there and you move it and you could see where the painting was but like i don't want to say it's dusty was it is it dust it's an imprint like an imprint yeah like as the light hits the wall it changes the color but the painting is blocking that so when you take it off it's a the the original color that you painted it mm. i made that first part up i don't know how it gets darker it's probably some other <laughs> shit <laughs> it's probably actually just dust <laughs> so um yeah all that shit's there and stacy rightfully so freaks the fuck out <laughs> and she tries to leave but the doors the door shuts and everything is locked and no nothing she could do can open this door um she starts panicking bangs on it and then we get our old our good old friend mr holston holston right himself yeah holstrom sorry he um, prefers Mr. Tibble. <laughs> and he opens the door for her. And he's like, where's my rent? <laughs> he's like, what are you doing here? And just... <laughs> <laughs> How was an accident? <laughs> what accent? I didn't do anything. Oh. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> he's from Transylvania now. <laughs> Where is the rent? The count. <laughs> you owe me 100, 200. <laughs> ah, ah. <laughs> so he opens up. He's like, What are you doing here? And Stacy just like, Oh, fuck this. And she runs to her apartment, locks the door. And her, her mom was just like, Yo, what's going on? Are you okay? What's going on? What happened? What happened? And then she's like, um, it's like, I went to Madeline's apartment. She's like, yeah. And, and she was there crying and I was going to console her and tell her I was sorry. But when I turned on the light, everything was gone. And then she's like, okay, maybe she just moved out. I'm like, no, she, she was there and I turned on the light and she wasn't there. And her mom's just like, come on, that, that relax. That doesn't make any sense stacy's like shit it doesn't and i don't know what to do about it i must be crazy or ghosts exist <laughs> um so they decide to do the well yeah they decide to do the only rational thing and that's to go to mr holstrom's office the next day and talk to him about apartment 214 If it is about the plumbing, I already had a complaint. And that is <laughs> Mr. Holstrom, everybody. <laughs> and he slams the door. And they knock again. And he opens up. And Stacy and Bonnie are like, hey, we want to ask about the uh, Mad Madeline, the woman who lives in apartment 214. And he's like, nobody lives there. Go away. <laughs> Nobody's lived there for 10 years, a decade. At least. Yeah. So, Stacy had to come with the realization that 
she probably was going to see Madeline for a long time and she has to live with the guilt of breaking her promise. Mm -hmm. Um, Days go by and, you know, she never got the chance to say sorry because she was so freaked out about Madeline yelling at her. So she's like, okay, uh, I'll just hang out with Angela instead. (laughs) So, Rubbing salt in the wound. They live one apartment over. (laughs) So, um, we cut to a dark and stormy night. And Stacy's mom is going (laughs) to, uh, that is is 2000s. We are in the 90s, sir. You don't (laughs) mention Stacy's mom. Stacy's not even a mom yet. She's in the 90s. Is there there a 90s song about Stacy's mom? Oh man, no, no, that's 2000s. That's Stacy's mom, 2000s. Has to be. Uh, it's only a song called Bonnie and Clyde. It's not as funny. All right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Bonnie was going to a restaurant to have a dinner with her former husband and Stacy's father. And they're going to. I was. Talk things out. No, not a I was, date. I was very, I'm very interested in this. <laughs> I mean, like, what? Are you serious? You're going to patch things up? This is great news. They're just going to talk things out and settle their relationship problems. That's it. Um, but Stacy is instructed. And if you live in the 90s, we all heard this instruction. I'm going to go out. You can stay home alone. Do not open this door for anybody. But me. And she also can't fall asleep because as Bonnie leaves, the door is locked and they have one of those chain latches on the door, which you can't unlock unless you're on the inside. So she it doesn't matter if she has a key. She's locked out unless Stacy lets her in. Yeah. So But yeah, I was I was very like I wanted to go to that dinner. I wanted to see if they patched things up. <laughs> I, I was just like Bonnie, go, go, go get it. They're going to be able to move back into a, I don't know, a mansion. I don't know what people had in the 90s. but <laughs> To them, it was just called a house. Yeah. And like a... Just six bedrooms. I mean, whatever. Small family of 12 kids. And it was like none, none of the none of the houses, like the neighbor's houses were joined together. It was separate what? houses with a yard. A yard. That's a wild. Yeah. The houses are all fused together. That's the only way it could work. Pack everybody mm-hmm. as like sardines. Um. So. We're referring to townhouses in case you guys don't live in an area <laughs> that has townhouses. They're all fused together. <laughs> so Stacy's relaxing and reading. Probably that same book she was reading before. And mm-hmm. she hears a knocking. A knock knocking from heaven's door. Mm. She asks who it is, but no answer. She looks into the people and we see Madeline just staring right fucking back. And we're like, oh, fuck. That's not good. Madeline really does look like like a grandma. Like She, she kind of reminds me of my grandma. Aw, that's cute. A little bit. Yeah. And disobeying her mother's instructions. Stacy opens the door and it's like, Madeline, where have you been? 
um i'm like i've been dying to tell you i'm sorry and then of course the doors she opens the door and there's nobody there <laughs> so stacy slowly walks down the dark hallway still raining still thundering and as she gets closer to madeline's apartment 214 the lights go the hall one of the hallway lights goes out so she knocks on madeline's door asking if she's there there's no response so she walks into the apartment by herself and calls for madeline nothing she turns on the light and finds a painting on the floor in the middle of the room the f- painting is face down so we don't really get a good look at it she picks it up and we get the camera rotating around stacy as we get a closer look at the painting it's of stacy and madeline madeline having tea together she is painting paintings from the grave he is going to be banking money forever she's just <laughs> going to be p- putting up paintings for auction banking the money she doesn't have to eat she doesn't have to sleep she just work all day <laughs> i don't know why that's what i thought of but i was like oh. <laughs> she's like producing things this is crazy <laughs> <laughs> so um and she's going to do it forever. She doesn't want to move on. She's just going to keep making money. It's perfect. Sorry. Just you have like, you know, farmers markets where people have like paintings, they sell their paintings. That's she could pay rent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How how is she getting the canvases for all this? You know what I mean? That's a great question. Stacy's not supplying it. She only supplies perishables that disappear. Mhm. Maybe she makes the canvas out of the perishables? Maybe. That's the only explanation. <laughs> so um Stacy looks up and Madeline's apartment is completely furnished the same way it was furnished before we found out Madeline was dead and haunting the place. Stacy lowers the painting and we see Madeline standing right in front of her. She's like, "What's going on, Madeline? I don't understand." And Madeline breaks all of her hearts again. "You promised to visit me. I didn't want to be alone that day. That day is the worst day and you didn't come. It was a very lonely day for me, Stacy. Do you know why?" And Stacy has no choice but to shake her head in disappointment and fright. <laughs> and back in a way in self defense it was my anniversary a very special anniversary because 10 years ago on that day the day you broke your promise is the day i died and stacy f- does makes the right choice again drops the painting and books it for the door and luckily the door doesn't close on her this time Uh she goes back into her apartment. She she locks the door and as she's standing with her back against the door catching her breath, we see a note slip underneath the door. <laughs> so fucking crazy. Where'd she get that paper? Where'd she get a pen? And the note says, "Why did you break your promise?" She This causes her to back away in fear from the note. She drops it and she's like, "Oh no." 
and she's backing up and then she bounces against the mirror because she wasn't looking where she was going because she was so scared and the blinds go up mm-hmm. and then outside on the patio in the rain she sees the silhouette of madeline just staring at her and she freaks out again yeah she leaves her apartment um it's pitch black all the lights suddenly turned off and she sees a dark silhouette approaching her almost like a shadow and she starts freaking out. She's just screaming and screaming. It's getting closer and closer. And then it stops right in front of her and she screams in its face. And it's revealed to be superintendent, <laughs> landlord, Tybalt. <laughs> Tybalt's like, why you scream? Why you always scream? You're so loud. Ah, I scream at you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a very good Transylvanian accent that I can't do. Yeah. How many times are you going to scream? Ah, 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 boo to you. And she's just like, I thought you were Madeline, the lady who lives in 214. He's like, I tell you, nobody lives there. And then he's starting to leave. And she's just like, where are you going? He's like, duh, I'm going to fix the lights, you stupid girl. And he just leaves. (laughs) And she's like, can I come with you? (laughs) <laughs> He's like, no, stupid. Go back to your apartment. So, baby girl. So mm-hmm. he, uh, the one important thing is that when she was running outside, she was banging on Angela's door on two twelve for Ang- Angela to help her and save her life. And Angela, Angela was home. <laughs> Angela she was, was home. home. I'm sure, a hundred percent. She was home, but no one came out except for Super Holstrom. So, and we never see Angela again. Yeah, Angela's so. like, nah, I'm cutting ties. <laughs> so enough's enough. Mm-hmm. She's like, help me, Angela, help me. He's like, look, you know what? You're getting too needy, and I, I can't do this. Sorry, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, Stacy's dog, Bugsy, is running down the hallway, and. It says running, but he just took a sweet ass time and just walks into Madeline's apartment in two fourteen. <laughs> and she has like, fuck, I have to go get him. I feel like the way they got the dog to go there is putting a treat yes. on the other side of that door. But the dog like didn't really like that treat that much. He's still gonna eat it, but he didn't run. He just you know, strutted over. <laughs> like I'm hungry and I'm not that hungry, but I'll eat, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> My dog, beautiful little baby girl, she will devour anything. I've seen her (laughs) eat hair before. It's disgusting. She would bolt down that hallway. And we all know that in that same situation, Jumby's dog would have done that and gone to the apartment and Jumby would have been like, all right, I guess I got to gotta deal with yeah i guess i gotta go die like (laughs) i I would do it too i'd be like you stupid animal i'm gonna kill myself now and (laughs) save you so so sure her dog went in there bugsy Mm -hmm. she goes into the apartment as well it's still fully furnished Mm -hmm. she makes the mistake of entering uh she finds bugsy bugsy somehow got locked in the closet she takes the time to pet him and be like, Bugsy, I might, oh my God, I can't believe it's you. And you're safe and you're not dead. I'm so happy. One, one Bugsy, thing, though, I liked yeah. about this scene, right? Um, oh, yeah? 
she when she walks into the apartment she passes by the mirror and she's going like mm. to different corners and we don't see Madeline and I'm like that would have been a perfect spot to put Madeline in there and that's when you hear scratching on a on the closet door and Stacy turns around and walks by the mirror again and then that's where Madeline is and I'm like oh okay they did good. They faked. They faked me out too. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, they're not gonna do it." <laughs> so, like Jumpy said, um, Bugsy's found. They're bonding, and then she, she hears Madeline. Madeline's right there, and she tells her, "You broke your promise. You're just like my nephew." She might as well just spit in her face. Jeez. You're just like Frank. I hate Frank. <laughs> Frank's a piece of shit. And we cut <laughs> back to this. <laughs> and we cut back to the scene and Kiki's just saying that. And Frank's like, what the fuck, man? Like, Can't you have on. named him something else? And then you're like, no. I no. couldn't. Anyway, back to my story. <laughs> Frank. Frank the idiot. Frank the dumb. Like, <laughs> so, so, Stacy backs away. She's like, I waited for you all day. You didn't come. Um, You're just like Frank. <laughs> she's like, look, I'm sorry. How she's like, how could you do this to me? And tells Stacy's like, I met a new friend and I wanted to hang out and I thought I could come by after, you know, and still hang out with you. I thought kill two birds with one stone. And Madeline stops, and then she's like, you, you made a new friend. Like, yeah. I did. And I didn't mean to break my promise. Uh, I came over, but you were gone. And Madeline sits down. Yeah. Madeline sits down. And she's like, oh, well, I don't want to keep you from breaking friends. I'm sorry. Uh, I won't bother you anymore. Like no one should be alone. No one has to. That made me sad. And then Stacy's like, "Are you really dead?" And Madeline's like, "Yeah, I died." And she's like, "Why haven't you moved on?" Which is kind of a rude question. You know what I mean? Super rude. Just like, all right, calm down. Mind your fucking business. That's why I didn't move on. (laughs) Why don't you move on? Jeez. (laughs) So needy. No wonder (laughs) Angela doesn't want to. Madeline says she's too old and settled in her way and it's her home and she's not going anywhere she won't live with strangers can't have that so she scares them off um and she tells stacy but i have nowhere else to go and she starts crying and stacy comforts her and she's like well maybe you don't have to be alone and then we see this for like the 20 seconds before we see what happens next. This confused me to no end. I was like, what are you going to do? <laughs> You're a kid. You can't just buy the apartment. You, you are you going to invite her to live in your house? Like, what are you going to do? You know what I thought? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought she was going to, like, compromise and visit her grave every so often and put flowers. That's what I thought. That would have been cool. Yeah, like, hey, like, you're obviously buried somewhere. You're not buried in the house. So I thought she was going to start visiting her grave and maybe like... Don't assume. <laughs> That's true. Mm. That is true. But we get a, a, a sh- another 
a creative way, a creative spin to this. Outside Ra- on the outside on the sign for the apartment building. Courtine. They have Oh. One bedroom, two bedroom. Courtine is very close to quarantine. Look at that. Yeah, well, topical. Yeah. Hopefully you live in the future and it's no longer topical. <laughs> um, so the apartment building has a sign outside and it says one bedroom, two bedroom, I guess, advertising what bedrooms are available. And we see the two bedroom one getting removed. But this made me think something that I will tell you in a second. But they remove the two bedroom and we see the superintendent, Mr. Tibbled, the Russian spy, <laughs> is going back into the apartment building and he runs into Bonnie and they have a little chat and Bonnie's like, Oh my God, like I'm so excited to be moving into the new room. It's so much bigger in two fourteen, And I don't, I can't believe it's cheaper. I mean, what are you doing here? And then Tibble's smiling like he's never smiled before. And he's like, <laughs> you're the one who has to live with a ghost. <laughs> Apparently Mr. Tibble knew about the ghost. Even though they were been the asking time. him the entire time. <laughs> And he's like, no, ghost lives here. Yeah, I guess he just didn't want to spook him. Yeah. And that also made me wonder, like, did they, was the other apartment just a one bedroom? Were they sharing a bedroom? I don't know. That's a good question. Because this one's bigger. It has two beds. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely has two. It's a two bed, two bath. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That'd be $5 million today. <laughs> Come on. What? Like six, seven, five yeah. and a half. Something like that, depending on what part of the city you live in. Yeah, the suburbs. Freaking... Yeah, forget about it if you want to live by the beach. Yeah, forget about it. You know how they talk in the city. <laughs> so she talks to the superintendent. They have a little back and forth. He's really happy, happier than I've ever seen him. Probably because he got this useless apartment off his hands. Mm-hmm. And she goes upstairs to pay even less rent amazing she yeah. pays like two dollars in rent now only in the past mm-hmm. that's why we live in the 90s because it's it's fun yeah. and of course so she, bonnie doesn't yeah. believe the, that there's a ghost she's like oh. i ain't afraid of no ghost <laughs> mr holstrom you know there's no such thing as ghosts and he's like oh. <laughs> ah, 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 ah. yeah that's exactly how he <laughs> laughed but we cut to upstairs and we see Stacy going home to apartment 214. Mm-hmm. She opens up the door and it's furnished, but you know, by their stuff, not the old timey stuff mm-hmm. that Madeline had. And she's greeted at the door by Madeline. And Madeline's like, oh, welcome home, Stacy. And I guess this is how Stacy comes home every day, but Bonnie might not notice. I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> they close the door to 214 and everything's happily ever after. I guess <laughs> it it uh, it really is a bandaid on the bigger problem. But Kiki was straight up like, "I'm gonna go for this ending because, on the surface, it's a very cute, nice ending. But when you really think about it, it... Bonnie's gonna notice the ghost. Bonnie might not be okay with living the, with this elderly woman. Um, eventually." Stacy's gonna move. <laughs> so I don't know how that's gonna work. 
is she just never gonna move on? Is she just gonna live in that apartment until it gets demolished and turned into a mall in 2020? <laughs> like, I don't know what's gonna happen. I that's why I liked my graveyard ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know that graveyard's gonna get demolished and turned into a no, mall as well. <laughs> everywhere, everywhere gets Con- demolished, and turned into a mall. Connected to that apartment where, like, mm-hmm. that that gets demolished and turned into a mall. She's going to be haunting a footlocker. <laughs> oh, come on. You know it's not going to be a footlocker. It's going to be like an Abercrombie in a fridge or Hollister. Or... Are those still around? It's been so long since I've been to a mall. <laughs> uh, they're all fronts. So, Kiki says that Stacy and her mom moved into apartment 214. Stacy mm-hmm. made up for her broken promise. Because Madeline wasn't going to be alone anymore. <laughs> Jumpy and I kind of <laughs> glanced at each other like, okay. Um, Tucker smiles. And he's like, good story. And Gary's like, wait, I can't find the pouch. Tucker, where is it? <laughs> and Tucker's like, uh, Tucker pulls it out and gives it back. Um, Gary's like, you're really getting on my nerves, Tucker. And then Gary declares the meeting of the Midnight Society closed. And that next week, not to miss out on Betty Ann's friend Sam, who's up for initiation. Then as everyone is ready to leave, and by everybody's ready to leave, everybody's gone. It's just Gary standing here by himself. He's like, all right, time to put out this fi- the Midnight Fire. And he looks around. He's like, hey, where's the Midnight Bucket? Tucker. Tucker, that's it. Tucker is testing Frank <laughs> to no end. And Gary. Frank and Gary, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> regardless of how and, the ending could come off, it really is nice if you don't think about it too much and you, and you, you know, think of it for what it is. I I like the nice ending that has eerie implications because mm-hmm. this wasn't like a goosebumps ending where they beat you over the head with like "Ooh, it's not over like his head turned backwards all of a sudden what's gonna happen like it's very on the nose mm-hmm. this is more subtle where it's like if i think about it there's gonna be a lot more scary implications <laughs> in the future and that's fun that's good that's that was well told yeah. and kiki did a good job this was I really like this story. It really, it really had creepy vibes. In fact, when Stacy first walked into apartment two fourteen, the music didn't change to nice wholesome music. It was still creepy music, and I'm like, oh okay. They want you to be like, hey, don't don't let your guard down. There's something off about this lady. And uh, when the gang was walking away, I want to note that uh, Kiki put her arm around. Um, Tucker's neck and she gave him like a noogie like a friendly noogie like I feel like they're friends or something I think they get along because maybe Kiki seems a little younger than everybody else they kind of bond over that oh that or they she likes the fact that uh, <laughs> Tucker is getting on Frank's nerves <laughs> she's like yeah put him in his place he's so <laughs> he's such a hard, like a tight ass about everything <laughs> make him late next time <laughs> So yeah, cool. Would you change anything? Man, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, it was pretty well done. 
Yeah, I wouldn't change that. I want to know what happened on the date. I just want to throw away line or maybe see the dad moving in with them in 214, something. Like I think I, it's implied I that he's know. not. That it didn't just, work out. They just remain friends, and that's why they're still at that apartment with super wholesome. But also, what's going on there? Do they live in a house? And the dad's like, this is my kingdom. Get out. Take the kid. And like, they just went to an apartment. Yeah. Probably. Crazy. That's rough. Yeah. I liked it overall. Kiki's best story, I think. Yeah. And it was subtle. Like, there's nothing overtly scary about an old lady. But like, the lighting and the way they used her was scary. Yeah. Well, actually, after watching it, chapter two, my perception will forever be changed. <laughs> That's if an old lady does that stuff. Yes, it's scary. <laughs> that All was right. not an. That was not an old lady. <laughs> so, comes the time, the part of the episode, where we take the title of the next episode, and we predict what it's going to be about. We already know that the new member Sam is going to say the story. So, yeah. So we don't have to predict that, but all we have to do is guess the story. So what's it called? Ready? The Tale of Watchers Woods. That's different. Yeah. Watchers Woods. Yeah. What is Watchers? I'm thinking of like the MCU's Watcher. Who's like Mr. Big Head who just like looks at everything. Mr. Big Head. Because <laughs> he has like a big head. He has a giant head. The Watcher from like the Marvel Universe in the mm-hmm. comics and in the TV show. He has like a giant head and his job is just to be uninvolved and watch everything happen. <laughs> and not do anything. Just watch it. So the Watcher's Woods. I doubt it's going to be a reference to that. So... <laughs> I don't know. They've been showing us signs that they're listening to this podcast. It's just going to be the watcher. Um, uh, I think... You ready for this? Yeah. You it, first. It's about witches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about witches. Someone goes into the woods and they find witches. I can't elaborate more on that. <laughs> Because I don't want to lose uh, points. <laughs> I'm gonna say, mm-hmm. you know, I like to swing, so <laughs> I'm gonna swing for the fence, for like the bushes. All right, so no, aim for the bushes, <laughs> like in that movie. There goes my hero. <laughs> if you get that reference, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Sorry. <laughs> so, the tale of the Watcher's Woods mm-hmm. is going to be about. Ghoulish lumberjacks. I've never seen anything like that, and I want to. I want to so badly. And if I'm right about this, I'm I'm gonna just become a full time clairvoyant because that's <laughs> the most outlandish thing ever. Yes. Ghoulish lumberjacks. That's what it's about. And I... they're gonna be like living in the woods, and they're gonna watch stuff. And then some kids are playing in the woods, and like the ghoulish lumberjacks are there i don't know what they're gonna do but they're gonna do something chop some wood (laughs) um same thing 
they call it Watcher's Woods because the, the witches will, like, guard the woods. Or probably, you know, there's probably a certain spot in the woods they they don't want you to be in. <laughs> so, Do you think it's going to be, like, teens or kids? Teens. Teens? Yeah. Yeah. I want to say, okay, I think it's going to be teens, too. The one addition, I'm still sticking with ghoulish lumberjacks but i'm gonna say like these kids are in the woods because they're at camp that's it that's that's the best i could do okay because like why else would kids be in the woods for a prolonged period of time that's true <laughs> well i, I mean you know there's there's places where people hang out in woods you know, like Weird. the Midnight Society. <laughs> oh, I guess that's true. You're right. It's about the Midnight Society. <laughs> that would be pretty meta. meta. Yeah. It's tales about five people who go into the woods and tell stories. And there's witches there. <laughs> or nightmarish, ghoulish lumberjacks. I mean, who knows? I am down to watch like lumberjacks haunt the shit out of stuff. I'm excited to see a a new a new person and kind of get a feel for their storytelling style. Yeah, I don't really know Tucker's story storytelling style that much. We'll see. The tale he told was what the Midnight Ride, right? The Headless Horseman one. Yeah, that one's kind of like it's hard to gauge his style just from that one story, especially since it's a retelling or extension of a pre-existing story but like it's also um his first one you know what i mean yeah we've seen that shift where like the first one like test the waters but the the next several stories after that's like like not completely different but like close to it mm-hmm. all right so with all that being said any last words, Jumbi? You pay your rent. Ah, 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 ah. Cool. All right. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Phantoms of the Silver Screen podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out any other content we may have provided. And give us a like, follow, subscribe, anything that shows that you love us. Because you know what? We love you too. A little too much. So, don't break your promise to Rip and Jumbie. Don't forget to come by for a visit. And tea. Good night.